the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A suspected Chinese spy balloon found hovering over the United States. All of these events about to happen, and maybe they are uh, then signaling, hey, we're here. The House removes Ilan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Ford says their fourth quarter profits dropped by 90% and is suggesting that job cuts may follow. They mentioned that headwinds could include a mild recession in the U.S. and a moderate recession in in Europe. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, February 3rd. I'm Mike Scott. Pentagon spokesperson Brigadier General Pat Ryder stated in a press briefing on Thursday that the U.S. government has detected a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon moving over the northern U.S. for the past several days. Reporter Kelly Meyer of News Nation reports that once the balloon was detected, the U.S. moved quickly to secure information that could be detected. The balloon is over the continental United States right now. The U.S. government, including NORAD, continues to monitor this balloon closely. The balloon is currently traveling well above commercial air traffic and does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. Instances of this balloon activity have been observed previously over the past several years. Once the balloon was detected, the U.S. acted immediately to put protection against the collection of sensitive information. Uh, So some important points to make there. uh, High-altitude balloon detected by NORAD, detected asset of China. President Biden asking for military options here. Top commanders recommending that they not take kinetic action. They thought the debris falling on American soil would cause too much damage. It would have fallen in a sparsely populated area of Montana, we're told, but they decided not to take that option. They're also saying that They're not getting enough intel here from this balloon that they are saying it poses any kind of threat to national security. All of this information just coming in moments ago from Pentagon officials. Meyer explains why the Pentagon decided not to shoot down the balloon. And that's why they decided uh, not to shoot it out of the sky. Again, they said it would pose uh, a threat with the debris falling on this area. They decided not to have that fall on American soil and decided not to shoot it out of the sky. They say it's not collecting enough information or any kind of intelligence that would pose any sort of threat to national security. Jameer Jaffer, founder and CEO of the National Security Institute, says that this isn't the first time 
Chinese surveillance balloons have been over the U.S. It's not unusual for nation states to surveil one another and conduct surveillance operations. I think what's most significant about this is that the United States has detected this balloon and that the Defense Department is saying this is not the first time that they've seen Chinese high-altitude spy balloons over the United States, that this has been going on for years, and that in this case, actually yesterday, they decided to impose a ground stop at the airport there in Billings, Montana, and put planes up in an effort uh, to consider whether or not to shoot down uh, this spy balloon. Jaffer suggests that he believes the Chinese were probably interested in what we're capable of, considering the heightened tensions surrounding Taiwan. Look, uh, the Chinese obviously know that we are uh, in the region, in the Indo-Pacific to stay, uh, that we have a lot of alliances there. We have a lot of allies and partners that we intend to defend um, in that region. Um, And they want to get a better sense of what our military preparedness here is in this country, uh, what we're thinking. And they, uh, they use both overhead surveillance, whether that's from satellites or spy balloons or aircraft, as well as signals intelligence surveillance against us sneaking into our computer systems, sneaking into our telephone systems to identify uh, information about the U.S. government. We do the same, of course, on our end uh, to our adversaries as well. So this is not unusual behavior. Uh, What is unusual, again, is the fact that we have made it public that we've identified this and that we're considering taking some sort of action against this uh, this, uh, surveillance effort. Jaffer goes on to explain some similar instances where the U.S. was caught spying on other nations. We know that when the U.S. has done these kind of activities, um, to the extent that other nation states have detected it, they've taken action. If you recall, uh, a number of years back, the Chinese forced down an American EP-3 spy plane um, and made it land in Hainan Island. Uh, They ultimately... uh, you know, looted that plane of all of its surveillance equipment, learned a lot about our capabilities, um, and held the crew there for a number of years. This obviously appears to be an unpiloted uh, vehicle. Uh, but you know, back in the back in the you know sixties, uh, the Russians shot down an American uh, Blackbird SR seventy one spy plane. Uh, Francis Gary Powers was captured and eventually ch- uh, traded uh, for a Russian spy. So you know, these things do happen over time. Um, again, an unpiloted vehicle, we may very well take it down, so they can't get. Uh, the information back. If they're not transmitting it back, we'll see what happens going forward. Retired General Phil Breedlove weighs in and gives his thoughts on why the U.S. military has not shot down the balloon. This is a large balloon, and there's probably a fair amount of mass hanging from it. You're exactly right. The likelihood that it would strike anything of value is pretty low, but there is, you know, that off chance. But I I think that you're on to the right uh, questioning, and that is there are other things to consider. And this is short notice, so I just am reacting. But the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, that if we shoot something down Chinese because it's in our airspace, we fly in a lot of places in the South China Sea with our aircraft and things where China claims that as their airspace. And there may be a consideration out there that we don't want to start a process of shooting things that are in these kind of contested areas. Breedlove says that as of right now, we're not sure what sort of surveillance equipment the balloon has. Good 
data has come out. This is not the first time this has happened. It is flying in a place where they may actually be able to collect better some of the intelligence they're collecting from their satellites. And so there is marginal value to some. But what we don't know is all the sensors that are in this package. And there may be sensors that are not usable from satellites, so they might actually be collecting some new data. So I, I we are so early in this, yeah. and we, there's well, so much that we, we don't we, know. The retired general theorizes on the timing of the balloon showing up over the continental U.S. The most interesting question that places us, the why now? And, and really, there's two answers. This could be a mistake. We're not always positive about how these upper-level winds move, and maybe the Chinese intended for this thing to come and go and not be a problem uh, at this particular time, and and maybe that that wind pattern has caused them a problem. On the other hand, maybe this is exactly what they wanted. All of these events about to happen, and maybe they are uh, then signaling, hey, we're here. And we have the capability to look at you. Meanwhile, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, while in the Philippines, convened a meeting with senior Department of Defense leadership to discuss the balloon. And it was decided not to take up any tactical military action due to the risk of safety and security of people on the ground from the possible debris field. The balloon's discovery also comes as the U.S. and the Philippines agreed to increase its military presence within the islands amid escalating tensions between China and Taiwan. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. On Thursday, the House ousted Minnesota Democrat Representative Ilan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee and a 218 to 211 vote. House Republicans cited previous comments made by Omar that many took as offensive and anti-Semitic. Back in 2019, Omar tweeted, quote, It's all about the Benjamins, baby, end quote, insinuating that Jewish people were buying U.S. political support. Omar also accused some Jewish Americans of having allegiance to a foreign country, which again prompted backlash among Republicans and some Democrats who said it was offensive and anti-Semitic to suggest supporting Israel 
is the same as having a foreign allegiance. Representative Omar wasted no time and accused Republicans of racism, comparing the criticism she is facing with the criticism leveled at former President Barack Obama. It is no accident that members of the Republican Party accused the first black president, Barack Obama, of being a secret Muslim. It is no accident that former President Donald Trump led a birther movement that falsely claimed he was born in Kenya. Because to them, falsely labeling the first and only president of the United States of America, a Muslim and African immigrant, somehow made him less American. Well, I am Muslim. I am an immigrant, and interestingly, from Africa. Omar was defiant in her speech, saying she will not be silenced. I didn't come to Congress to be silent. I came to Congress to be their voice. And my leadership and voice will not be diminished if I am not on this committee for one term. My voice will get louder and stronger, and my leadership will be celebrated around the world as it has been. Omar's Democrat progressive colleague, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez echoed Omar's accusations of racism, accusing Republicans of a campaign of hatred against women of color in Congress. There is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life, and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdic- a-, a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in in the United States of America. However, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the reason Omar was removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee is very simple. When it comes to Congresswoman Omar, based upon what she had said, the anti-Semitic comments... It's all about the Benjamins. The, uh, the military in America is equal to Hamas and the Taliban. On 9-11, something happened that day. Even the former Democratic chair of the committee believed her comments were wrong. When a um, resolution was brought up to deal with this last time, she never apologized. They changed the resolution to say anti-Semitism is wrong. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. Fox News' Shannon Bream explains that while Democrats feel Omar has made up for her past very offensive statements, Republicans are saying that turnabout is fair play. What Democrat leaders will say is she has acknowledged they called her out. Those were, quote, mistakes that she made. She's apologized for them and she made things right. So that is their part of the argument. She is much more aware now of what she was saying. And she's tried to make up for saying those things. Republicans today, though, are saying you guys actually set the framework in place for removing people who are members of the minority party from the committees that they're on. And we warned you when you did it. 
Ick is probably going to come back to get some of your members at some point. So a complete impasse on this today. It's a completely partisan issue, how you view it. Um, you know, the the top Democrat now in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader there, has said it's not a double standard. He called it a quadruple standard. But you heard the case there that the speaker made, and nobody's going to budge on either side on how they feel about this. Bream goes on to say that Speaker McCarthy suggests that there may be a bigger issue with congressional members. In not only the comments that the speaker has made about Congresswoman Omar, but in talking about the issues with the Intel Committee, you know, he's talked about the fact that he was briefed by the FBI about concerns that they had about some of these members, I think specifically Congressman Swalwell. So he's saying it's a much bigger problem, um, but they're not going to stop fighting about it on the Hill. I'm sure people are going to no. fundraise off of it and fill up our inboxes with emails about it. It'll continue. Former Congressman Doug Collins of Georgia explains how Republicans removing Democrats from committee assignments has been different from when Democrats remove Republicans. I've known this was coming for two years. The, the minute that the Democrats did this, and also, here's an interesting, you know, they've been saying that there was a difference in, in how they did this and how the Democrats did it. There was not. The one, last year, the Democrats, especially in, in like Marjorie Taylor Greene's case, was holding her accountable for before she's ever a member of Congress. When you come into this Congress, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwa had plenty of reasons not to be let on to the, uh, the <laughs> Intelligence Committee. Yeah. And, and especially Eric, uh, you know, Adam Schiff, who was leaking everything from there, and that was a whole problem. But then with Omar as well, this was stuff that she did while she was a member of uh, the body. In 2021, Omar also called Israel an apartheid state and lumped the U.S. and Israel in with Hamas and the Taliban as political entities that have committed unthinkable atrocities. Hunter Biden is seeking a federal probe of some Trump allies over his laptop. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on the very latest from the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. A lawyer for President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has asked the Justice Department to investigate close allies of former President Donald Trump and others who accessed and disseminated personal data from a laptop that a computer repair shop owner says was dropped off at his Delaware store in 2019. It also asked prosecutors to investigate whether any of the data was manipulated or tampered with in any way. Hunter Biden's attorneys have also asked Fox News host Tucker Carlson to retract and apologize for what they say are false and defamatory claims made about Hunter on air. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Automotive giant Ford Motor Company reported on Thursday that their fourth quarter of 2022 was a bit ugly, suggesting that they fell way short of its target by about $1.1 billion, citing execution issues that plagued operations. According to their report, Ford's fourth quarter income was $1.3 billion, a steep $11 billion lower than the same period last year. CEO Jim Farley released a statement saying that, quote, we should have done much better last year. We left about $2 billion in profits on the table that were within our control. And we're going to correct that with improved execution and performance. The report also suggests that currently, Ford's EV business is not exactly profitable. 
The company earlier this week cut costs of its top-selling electric Mustang Mach-E crossover in response to Tesla. Farley said higher EV margins will be unlocked with its next-generation vehicles, which are expected to begin production in 2025 at a new plant under construction in Tennessee. Para Subramanian of Yahoo Finance breaks down the news coming out of Ford Motor Company. Shares they're trading pretty low, pretty de- lower here after hours. Uh, mixed results with a with a revenue beat, but an EPS kind of miss. So revenue forty four billion dollars here versus thirty nine billion estimated. Adjusted EPS was a miss fifty one cents versus sixty two cents estimated. Adjusted EBIT uh, two point six billion for, for for the fourth quarter versus $3.45 billion estimated from the street. Also, guidance for the, for, uh, for the full year, looking at $9 billion to $11 billion versus $10 billion estimated. So that's kind of uh, bracketing that, that estimate there. Ford said its operating results were uh, below expectations, though the company is optimistic about 2023. Subramanian says that investors expected to see a mild recession in the U.S., and that may impact how Ford moves forward in 2023. Like I said, uh, the guidance for 2023 was in that sort of range, so that's that's actually a good point. What to watch on the call here, the demand story, macro headwinds. Uh, heard about customers last quarter going down, seeking lower trims for cars that they wanted to buy. Uh, in this, in the release, they mentioned that headwinds could include a mild recession in the U.S. and a moderate recession in, in Europe. Uh, also, want to look for pricing pressures. We saw the Mustang Mach-E have a, of a, about a 10% price cut uh, just, just this week. Where we're going to see if they're going to actually potentially follow through with any more of those if they see customers balking at higher uh, prices. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll look out for these things on the call. Subramanian goes on to point out that while Ford EV sales missed their mark last year, the automotive giant doesn't seem to be backing off the EV trend. Yeah, you know, we haven't heard anything here about anything uh, amiss here in terms of uh, production for Ford in 2023 and 2024. They're still on track. They're building these new factories in, in Kentucky uh, to build these these batteries. So I haven't heard anything about that. But recall that in GM's release this week, they talk about investing in the Lithium America's mine. So they're talking about proactively or acquiring that material for their batteries. We're not seeing Ford say that just quite yet, but it sounds like they're on pace to hit their targets for EV production uh, this year and the year after that. For 2023, Ford says it expects to earn between $9 billion and $11 billion, presuming seasonally adjusted annual rates of about 15 million vehicles in sales in the U.S. and about 13 million in Europe. More economic news today. Daybreak Insider's Rita Foley joins us with a look back at the new jobs numbers. The job market's been surprisingly resilient as economists worry about a possible recession ahead. Job openings rose to 11 million in December, a sign the labor market remains hot. Economists had expected job openings to drop slightly in December. a health warning about one particular brand of over-the-counter eye drops linked to an outbreak of drug-resistant infections. More on this developing story from Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason. Federal health officials warn consumers not to use the Esricare artificial tears eye drops. 
The CDC says 55 people in a dozen states developed infections. At least three suffered permanent vision loss. One of those infected died. Many of the patients reported using the product. Ezra Care says it's not aware of any evidence definitively linking the outbreak to its product, but it has stopped distributing the drops and advises consumers not to use them. Rich Thomason reporting. And finally, high school can be hard for any teenager, but it can be especially hard when you're born different. Teenager Sergio Peralta was anxious when he arrived at his new school, Tennessee's Hendersonville High, and did his best to hide his right hand in his sleeve. That's because the 15-year-old was born without a fully formed hand and was embarrassed and hoped no one would ever find out. I had a lot of people ask me, like, what's wrong with, like, what happened to my hand? Lots of people. And I used to just say, like, even in kindergarten, I used to say I was born like that. Peralta says that while he's managed without his right hand for his whole life, things were never easy. How I would work um, would be, like, um, carrying things. I would just carry them like this. Or, like, if I had a water bottle, I would just carry it, like, right here. And, um, yeah, that's basically how it would work. I would just write with my left hand and, like, type with my left hand. It really wasn't that difficult. I got used to it. So, like, I could do pretty much a lot of stuff, almost everything. Engineering teacher Jeff Wilkins found out about Peralta's situation and suggested to his students they create, for their new classmate, a prosthetic hand. These students were tasked with building him a prosthetic hand. I didn't know Sergio when we were going to do this. We were kind of starting from scratch, but we were able to look at some previous designs from offline. And once we started with the idea, it went off from there. After four weeks of designing, 3D printing, and sizing to Sergio's hand, the class put him to the test with a game of catch, a new hobby he never knew was possible. Wilkins students spent months designing and perfecting the prosthetic before using a 3D printer to make their classmate a new hand. Now, for the first time, Sergio was able to grasp a ball in his right hand. I never expected this. Living without a hand for 15 years and they actually offered me to is actually pretty cool. No one has ever offered me this stuff. It changed my life. Little gestures with it, like something like this. Feels like I have my other hand, so like I, that's something I really like to do. Just like put them together like this, which is cool. I actually feel like I have a right hand. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.